0: Hey guys, just reaching out to let you know that this uh, bonus episode of the Shameless Picture Show was one of my long-standing quarantine editions that I was doing last year when I was furloughed from my job. Uh, I was doing them all as live episodes for you all to enjoy, but uh, as time went on it became harder and harder to find time to cut together the audio version, so I'm slowly making my way through them. So some of these reviews you might have already heard. They've been up for a while on our uh on our podcast can't talk today. On our podcast page and of course on my own personal page. So they have been available, they've been around, so this might not be new content. I'm also letting you know that this is from June 13th, 2020 reason I mention that is because in case I make mention of anything that's not topically relevant currently, that is the reason. Or because in this I'm talking about things that happened last year, like the fallout of Fangoria and the Shockwaves podcast and everything went down with Rob Galuzzo, it is worth mentioning that it was topical in 2020. Uh, So on this episode, I will be reviewing some titles from Mill Creek. I'll be talking about the William Castle double feature of Hollywood Story and... New Orleans Uncensored, so strap in and enjoy, guys. As always, you can visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash shameless. Uh, for as low as a dollar, you can get a thank you on the show, $5, you can get all of our bonus audio, and a, a sticker, $10 gets you the sticker, a button, the bonus audio, and if you're so inclined, donate 50 bucks. you can either be on an episode or... Or pick a topic. Or both. You know, if, if you're on the episode, we might as well, you might as well pick the topic. So I just want to let you guys know that, that it's out there. It is some cool stuff. Uh, we have our, me and Nick have our bonus episode planned for this month. So this being February, where we will be discussing High Fidelity, which I had just seen for the first time, and it's a movie that Nick really loves. And we're also going to be comparing it to the High Fidelity TV show on Hulu. So stay tuned, and thank you for listening.
1: discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements, endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another quarantine
0: edition of The Shameless Picture Show. Uh, For those of you who are Listening to this and not watching the video, uh, I forgot to re- hit the record button. So you missed out on a whole rant about uh, Gone with the Wind and uh, why I think HBO Max taking the movie down and re-adding it with context is in fact a good thing. Uh, I also kind of spun you a yarn about why I think context and everything is important, but that's just, that's just me. And if you want to go back and re-listen to that, please go back... Go to my personal Facebook page, and it should be under there under live events. And uh, yes, um, I'm sure a lot of you have noticed that I've been doing all the live streams through my own personal page instead of the Shameless Picture Show. I'm eventually going to swap that, but I decided to do that because when I was doing the Shameless Picture Show, I would never get anyone watching, ever. Like, okay, I I like how people show up and, you know, hey, what's up? uh and then leave and that's cool that's all you want to do but i wanted to experiment to see if i did on my own personal page would it make an impact would it change would because more people see my posts than they see the shameless picture show that's fine i'm cool with that actually i'm not please 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 like the shameless picture show and hit the little star so you see see it first i need my numbers to go up people if you listen let me know that you listen it matters to me um but, um, yeah, yeah, I, like I said, I've been, I've been good, uh, the world could be a better place, um, but, and, um, with the fallout of the Shockwaves podcast kind of has me reeling, uh, the fall of Fangoria has me reeling, Rebeller can go fuck off, I don't give a shit about them, I don't give a shit about Dallas Sanier or whatever, however the hell you pronounce his name, the, the jack-off that runs CineState, um, but, you know, I've been trying to do things. Um, I've been I've been writing a script that I've been writing for a while. I have not written anything in a couple days. Uh, I've just... I just haven't. But I've got all my notes here on the board. Um, i got to finish my notes. Um, I've been working on some cool projects with a couple friends of mine that I cannot give any real information on yet. Because it's far too early. But it could be potentially really cool. But first... Pandemic needs to end. Um, And I've been trying to get a new movie made. Once again, it's kind of at standstill until shit clears up. Because I don't feel comfortable uh, getting a group of people together when it's not completely safe. But that's just me. Um, But uh, yeah. Other than that, I think I've been okay. I've been obsessively watching stuff, as always. Um, I've got my, my whole home theater really keyed in in a way that i've been really happy with it and it makes kind of watching stuff fun again it's always fun but like when things sound and look as good as they is they possibly can on my end with what i have nothing's better uh and i say that as a person who's a big big advocate for people learning to calibrate and adjust the picture quality on their televisions um because you know you buy a tv and put a, plug in your blue ray player and watch things. It looks good, it looks okay, it looks fine. You learn how to make uh uh some base some just slight changes to things, and you know in terms of your color and your uh, the the dark the dark levels the the contrast, things can look so much better. So what I'm saying is I I've, t- I've took my home theater system and i have and I I truly believe I've got it to be the best best it possibly can be with my circumstances things can always be better i can buy new equipment i can do whatever but with everything that i currently have i think it's it's just everything's firing in a very beautiful way but that's just me so um as i tend to do with these updates just so i'm not completely rambling for the entire time i'm going to continue to ramble but i like to have a focused ramble Uh, i'm here to talk about some titles so one of my sponsors for the for a very long time has been the good folks over at mill creek entertainment my favorite budget label they might be the only budget label but they're definitely my favorite um things have been a little slow getting stuff from them just because of the pandemic has slowed down everyone and um but i just got got some new stuff in i got a, a collection of westerns i got a collection of crime noir films and i got a new set for Ultraman. I've I've not been able to review, I've not been able to get through all of it, but what I did get, what I did start with is the classic crime double feature of Hollywood Story in New Orleans from legendary director William Castle. So, first off, I'm going to say, classic is... Uh, it's a term thrown around very easily. Uh, I don't think these films are unclassic, but classic, to me, gives the impression that these are well-known films. I've never heard of these. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. They're bad. First off on the list is Hollywood Story, 77 Minutes. Known for his exciting horror films, The House on the Haunted Hill and Rosemary's Baby, which he produced, Robin Polanski directed, William Castle helmed many other genre films. Hollywood Story Story stars Richard Conte as a New York theater producer who dreams of Hollywood and being in the movies. Purchasing an old silent film studio with a tragic story, a famous director was murdered there. He begins to film his search for the suspects with hope of solving the case, but secrets will be exposed that rock all of their lives. Will this director meet the same fate? Featuring cameos by silent film stars Helen Gibson and Francis X. Bushman, prepare for your close-up and the darker side of show business. Hollywood Story starring Richard Conte and Julia Adams with Henry Hull, Fred Clark, Jim Backus, Richard Egan. Story and screenplay by Frederick Conner and uh, Fred Brady. Directed by William Castle. Produced by Leonard Goldstein from 1951 Universal Studios. Hollywood Story... um, on Letterboxd, I originally gave the film two and a half stars, which is my review for it being okay. I gave it an extra half star, though, um, because it's a personal rule that any movie that's got a scene in a movie theater, or in this case, a projection booth or projection room, gets an extra half star. Plus, it just has a great reverence and love for old-time Hollywood. Uh, it's got a very meta third act, and for that reason, I actually think the film is it, it's not bad. Uh, it's still not a favorite of mine at any stretch of the imagination, but what are you going to do? The plot of the film is about uh, this, this theater producer named Larry O'Brien who comes to Hollywood. He comes often because he's got friends that still live there. And um, he comes to... Uh, he wants to move to Hollywood and figure out his life. And figure out... He no longer wants to work in the theater business. He wants to move into pictures. Um, and his friend, who is a producer here in town, or in Hollywood, decides to, get some house and get some, a studio, and a studio that hasn't been used since the silent movie days, and there, uh, while there, the, uh, an old, um security guard, who knows the place very well, decides to walk him through and tells him the story about a director that was killed on the studio.
1: The place I had in mind for Larry was an old motion picture studio over on La Brea, which had been closed for years. In the old days, they had made some of the real big pictures there. They only made silent pictures here. The first ones and the best ones ever since 1915, Mr. O'Brien. Why, well, this street has been everything, from Klondike Gulch to a canal in Venice. It's been Chinatown, Park Avenue, and the Barbary Coast. Do you see that corner there? Well, that's where Lee surrendered to Grant. Custer made his last stand right in the middle of that square. Now, if you follow me right through here... What's this, Mr. Miller? Oh, that was the great silent picture director, Franklin Ferrara. You remember, he was murdered. I think I do. He was killed right on this lot, down there in that bungalow. Would you like to see it? Uh, Some other time. Why not? Let's take a look at it.
0: The director's name escapes me at the moment, Um, but it's supposed to be loosely based on the story of William Desmond Taylor, um, who was a, a silent film director. And then from there he just has to make a movie about this and once he' st- and the mur- murder is still unsolved but once he gets closer and closer to solving what's going on his own life be- uh, starts to be um in danger uh, but the more danger there is the more he wants to continue his search uh, and in along the way he also brings in uh Julie Adams the actress julie adams who plays the daughter of one of the the actresses that worked with this director so he's trying to get uh as many people together who worked with him the screenwriter he pulls in vincent st clair played by henry hall worked with this this um this director and he wants them all to work with him on making this film um which is you know oh let's get the real people that knew this guy to help me make this film and I guess I thought the film was okay. Um a couple of things that I loved. Uh so he shot this. William Castle shot this at Charlie Chaplin's old studio because he wanted to have an old Hollywood feel feel. And that's kind of because I'm I'm pretty familiar with the look of this studio because I've seen quite a few Chaplin's films. Uh and he uses locations from the studio in his films often. I've seen a lot of behind the scenes footage of Chaplin's studio. Plus Jim Henson Company currently runs out of Chaplin Studio, so I've watched a lot of their behind-the-scenes stuff, and I I know the studio. I know what the studio looks like very much like I know what the old Walt Disney Studio looks like. I just it's it's one of my favorite locations, so that I like that quite a bit. Uh, so it's kind of great when um, when Larry O'Brien and well, let's just use I he's the a character name. I remember let's say when Richard Conte and Julie Adams are watching the dailies together, or watching an old film together in the, in the uh, screening room, I got the feeling that, you know, this could be Charlie Chaplin's old screening room. And this is maybe where Charlie Chaplin sat and watched dailies for his own films. And it just mm-hmm. kind of fills you full of a great joy. And I, and I can definitely feel that William Castle has a love for these old films, these old, um, early sound films. And then with the success of Sunset Boulevard, which came out the previous year, Hollywood stories about Hollywood were doing very well. Where the film doesn't work for me is I think it's ultimately pretty forgettable. I think it's got a, it's got a great third act. Like I really liked that third act. Um, um, but ultimately I don't think Richard Conti, he, I don't really buy him as a, as a film producer. He's just, he's, he's written very much like one of those old gumshoe detectives. Uh, I just don't get why he is so much more prone to solving this murder than say the detectives who have been searching for it. So I just, it, it's just a weird suspension of disbelief. Uh, it didn't ruin the film for me. I just like, well, why him? Why is he so special? Um, uh, and then it's very strange. So his, his his buddy in the film, um, I believe it was Sam, Fred played by Fred Clark. But well, no, that's a different character, my mistake. Um anyways, his 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 buddy in the film who brings him to Hollywood. He is all like, um, you know, you can't you came back to visit us and you shouldn't be running, you shouldn't be doing this this film. Um but he wants to support him anyways. His buddy is narrating the film in a very weird way because it actually feels very much like like an old timey Disney film, when the music's super nice and lighthearted. And he's like, "Well, I was, you know, I told him that he shouldn't pursue this film." And then it has a scene of being like, "Oh, you shouldn't pursue this film." So it's like double exposition, uh, and I feel like. Uh, the person i was watching with said that she thought the film felt like it um she had wondered if it was based on a book because some of the narration kind of felt like information that would have been filled in in a book and it wasn't and i i I definitely feel that um i just feel like a lot of the exposition and extra information that we were given wasn't needed and um william castle's next not it's not as directly next film but the, the next film that I'm reviewing by him, I think he does a way better job at. Because in the grand scheme of things, he directed this film in 1951, and he directed a bunch of films in between there. So, you know, he the, he directs like two to four films a year. So the man gets better at what he's doing along the way. So Hollywood Story, I guess I thought was okay. Um, if you're a fan of movies about Hollywood and making films i think it's great in that way uh and like so especially if you're interested in the silent film era because uh from what i've read the the telling of the director william desmond taylor it's it's based on his murder tells the story pretty accurately They, they they have their own unique ending to it but i found that to be pretty interesting and as a fan of um just old-timey, you know, old-time film and the history of film. I, I like it. Uh, I thought the, the happy ending was a little dumb, but, you know, that's, it's the 50s. What do you expect? Um, next on the collection is a movie called New Orleans Uncensored. It sounds like it's going to be a porn, but it is not a porn back of the box says new orleans uncensored 76 minutes william castle directed this sam Katzman production a gritty crime thriller about a newly discharged sailor who gets a job as a longshoreman in the big easy he swiftly discovers mob corruption throughout the docks and when a friend is killed by the gangsters he convinces the police to let him go undercover and take matters into his own hands filmed on location on the docks and in the french quarter new orleans uncensored stars arthur franz Franz, of The Sniper, and Beverly Garland, Michael Ansara, Ed Nelson, and Mike Mazurki. Uh, So, Columbia Pictures presents the New Orleans Uncensored, starring Arthur Franz, Beverly Garland, and Helen Stanton. Story by Orville H. Hampton, with a screenplay by Orville H. Hampton and Louis Meltzer. Produced by Sam Katzman, directed by William Castle from 1955. So... This film I actually really liked. Uh, I thought it once again the film drags in the middle in a very weird way. And these films are super short. They're 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 not even a full hour and a half. Like a film like this should just move, move, move. Um, I love the setup. I love well, I took okay. it. I love parts of the setup. Uh, I love the story of our lead character played who uh, played by Arthur Franz. Who uh, this character's name is Dan Corbett. Um, he is a former naval officer who comes to new orleans because he wants to open up his own business he buys a really shitty rundown boat and does a lot of work uh and to make money to open up his own business he works as a longshoreman and um he befriends uh a guy named jack petty and his girlfriend Alma may and uh they're really impressed when he just beats this. Sh- he knocks out this guy uh, and he's like oh you've got a really good punch well i used to be a boxer cool um throughout that he gets really close to alma may very close to alma may and uh and then uh, gets very close to another guy named uh named dan and his wife and um and just tries to get his life together, make some money and starts realizing that this, this local gangster, I believe his name was zero Saxon, he's kind of running everything. So I like that where I don't like is the film tries very hard. It almost feels like a documentary when it first opens up because it's got a lot of stock footage of people working in the docks in new Orleans. And then it's also got a lot of dudes who um, I think are playing their real lives selves who are talking about like how, well, New York docks are super corrupt and New Orleans docs are not super corrupt and here's why. Yada yada yada. And it's just like a bunch of bullshit that we don't need. Uh but once it gets into the story, uh I, I find myself really liking it. I thought Arthur Franz was is, is just got this great um charisma to himself. Any scene with Arthur Franz and Helen Stanton who played Alma May are fucking great um there's a a sequence where they kind of go on a date with each other where they're at like this arcade and playing games and alma may says she's got a boyfriend and uh and dan just does not give a shit he does not care um and that's when he lays out the guy and everything. And she's like, hey, I'm going to talk to my boyfriend about you. Not in a bad way, but I'll try to get you a job, hook you up with Dan. And then they go out to um, Café du Monde in New Orleans, which is a spot that me and my wife went to on our honeymoon. And it was a super weird scene in 1955 because it's exactly the same. Uh, and it just made me nostalgia, nostalgic. And they have, um, and they have this really great conversation. Um, I don't remember all the beats for it for sure, but like... She says, like, what's well, a New Orleans tradition that we're going to go get coffee and donuts. And he goes, oh, well, are you going to show me another New Orleans tradition afterwards? And she's like, no, the New Orleans tradition is Matt, girl and guy get coffee and donuts. Girl goes to her respective home. Guy goes to his respective home. And they, they're just like this, this will they, won't they type of, like, connection between them. And I really liked these two together. And I was kind of rooting for them, even though that LMA had a boyfriend and... Arthur, not Arthur friends, uh Dan Corbett is just kind of like, you know, going against, uh, uh, you know, what's right and what's wrong. Uh, sorry, and, uh, I, and then... Uh, Alma gets him hooked up with a guy named Joe. Sorry, uh, I said his name was Dan earlier because I got confused. Joe it runs the runs the docks, and then he becomes friends with him and his wife. And I that very that really confused me at first because uh, Helen Stanton and Beverly Garland look very similar, not exactly, but I actually personally felt like the connection between uh, Arthur Franz and Helen Stanton was much better than the connection between him and Beverly Garland. But he then befriends joe and his wife and joe's unhappy oh sorry uh his wife marie is unhappy but i don't know it's very weird they get the idea that they're unhappy but they're still very much loyal to each other but then you have dan here like flirting with both alma and marie and then you find out alma is also with the the big mob boss zero. And I don't know if this is like all supposed to be intentional or where Dan is just some fucking master flirt. Um, and if both women are supposed to be unfaithful and I also don't know if I misheard the, the, the dialogue correctly. Cause it, Alma very much. It sounded like she said her man was over there, but then we never see her with that guy. And we only ever see her with Zero. So like I don't. And but they also talk about in dialogue that she might have another person. So it it seems very progressive for the fifties, where you have uh, this woman who is essentially one of the heroes and a very likable person who uh, who is juggling what seems to be three different guys. You have a subplot about Dan and his his best friend's wife. Um, it's very strange, but I find myself really liking because it felt realistic like i'm not, i'm sure it's, it's a super heightened experience but since so many films were so straight-laced at this time to have something that felt a little bit more sorted kind of uh, appealed to me in terms of a storytelling device it also had elements that reminded me of white line fever with the idea that dan wants to get his own business going uh it also had elements that reminded me of hard times the char uh the charles bronson film like the bare knuckle box boxing If I had any complaints, I feel like the movie's trying to tell too many stories. It tries to give a very in-depth look into how um, dock workers and how their unions work. Then there's a whole fucking subplot about boxing. And I kind of love all those scenes. You have Dan and Alma. You have Dan and Marie. And because Marie and Alma look so much alike, I'm still not 100% sure who he winds up with in the end. I think he winds up with Marie, but I don't 100% know. Uh, But I found myself really liking this film. Um, Believe it or not, both this and Hollywood Story on Letterboxd wound up getting three stars. Hollywood Story got three stars because I gave it an extra half star um, for this this love of Hollywood that it has. And I feel like if the middle portion of New Orleans Uncensored was a little tighter... It would have been a three-and-a-half star. And it actually, it might even raise up over time. Um, I definitely preferred New Orleans Uncensored over um, Hollywood Story. Um, I just think it was a much better told story. It does use some narration and some goofy plot devices, but ultimately, I think it just it allows the the characters to tell the story. And I really like Arthur Franz in this film. He's not an actor that I'm super familiar with. I'm actually currently looking at his selected filmography, and he's not in a lot that i've seen like i said he was in the movie called the sniper which sounds cool uh i might want to uh, add that to my uh to my watch list um and then he was in Abrocasteel meet the invisible man which i've not seen um uh, yeah i i i don't think i've seen many films that this man's been in but i want to go pursue more that he's seen that he's been in cuz he's i personally think he's great and then I want to see if um, uh, 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 Helen Stanton, or maybe it's Helene Stanton as any other films, because she's fucking amazing. She should have been the lead actress uh, in this film because she was great. And she was only in a handful of films herself. Uh, she didn't seem like she had nearly as big of a career. But uh, no, I I actually really, really recommend New Orleans Uncensored. And um, I recommend going out and picking up a copy of this double feature because I think both films are worth it. Um, Ultimately, I think both films look stunning. Black and white cinematography is always looked very good on blue, on Blu-ray, especially if it's, if the company has a nice print and both of these prints are gorgeous. I sometimes give Mill Creek a little bit of shit for um, less than stellar transfers on their DVDs, but their Blu-rays always look very good. Uh, Model score. uh, It's a 2.0 model score, but, through my system it plays through just through one speaker uh sounds really good uh really good actually there's a couple times i thought it was in stereo just because especially on new orleans uncensored it just had a very wide breadth to it um yeah if you want to get more into 50s film and william castle i really recommend this collection new orleans uncensored is definitely my favorite but hollywood story does have some really nice moments to it so yeah Actually, thinking about it, I might have to, because originally I had Hollywood Story at two and a half stars, and I took it up to three. Normally how my rating system works is two and a half stars is okay, slash, that movie wasn't bad. Two stars in my rating system is, that movie's not very good, but it does have some saving graces to it. That honestly feels more like Hollywood Story, and then with its extra half star, will take up that wasn't. It would go take it up to that wasn't bad. So I think I, I might have to lower Hollywood Story down to two and a half, and take uh, and keep New Orleans and Censored at three. I think New Orleans and Censored is a good film, and uh, I recommend it to highly. Uh, if anything, just for the the scenes, honestly, just the action is, is pretty good in this film, but like just the scenes of, of Arthur Franz and, and Helene Stanton and Arthur Franz and Beverly Garland. It's just, they all have so much chemistry and just the scenes of them talking. I thought were fantastic. Um, but, um, I think that's it for me today. Um, as always, you can find podcasts in pretty much every podcasting app of choice. There is, um, you know, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google play, libsyn stitcher and if there's somewhere you want to see the podcast and it's not out there please let me know and i'll let you know we do have a youtube channel as well where we have not all of them but we have a good portion of our shows up that nick and his interns edit that's pretty fun to watch it's different take on how the show works uh those are a lot of fun and uh please just reach out man let us know what you think of the show and uh if you listen, don't make it a secret, like, I just found out Ian listens, and, um, didn't know, like, I'm not saying you all gotta tell me, but it's cool to know that, you know, I've got people out there listening, and, uh, oh, Amanda just dropped in, you missed it, Amanda, I, this is me signing off, but, um, yeah, I've tried to have a good week, guys, try to stay chipper, it's not easy right now, if you are out there protesting, keep up the great work, uh, I'm doing what I can on my own end, uh, and, uh, once again, if, you're not down with that i got two words for you watch movies
1: the shameless picture show is recorded in milwaukee wisconsin and eastern maryland is hosted and produced by nick richards and michael Viers, and is more often than not edited by michael Viers. any tv or youtube versions of the show to date have been edited by nick richards tyler Hanna, or dina villani our opening theme music was written especially for us by the directionals with narration from zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed, and our new kick-ass logo was designed by Amanda Byers. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors at Mill Creek Entertainment and Vinegar Syndrome. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links to all these tremendous folks, as well as the show in the description below. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.